0: Hi there and welcome to episode five of the Emu Inc podcast, a place for educators, parents and sports clubs alike. At Emu Inc, we turn pupils into published authors, we help schools and clubs to record their history and recreate publications that bring people together. In the early days of Emu Inc, however, before the schools took over completely, we also published novelists, short story writers, non-fiction writers and more. And I'm delighted today to introduce you to our guest, who is actually the very first novelist we ever published. Caroline anne Copland is a wonderful writer, published author, former primary school teacher, facilitator of a very popular writing group and of course a wife and mother. She is also the founder of the Carousel Aware Prize for Independently Published Authors or the Cap for Indies as it is also known. So also in the studio with me today is one of our education specialists Angela Power who is a former primary school principal and published writer herself and together we are going to chat to Caroline about her personal journey. So Caroline. Welcome to the studio. That was a bit of a a long introduction and I honestly did not and don't want this to be about us in any way, but you are well loved and well respected uh, within EMU Inc. And we're delighted to have you here today to talk about you, though.
1: Thank you very much, Emer. It's really lovely to be here and really lovely to be part of anything to do with EMU Inc. Because if it wasn't for EMU Inc, I wouldn't have started off with my first novel. You know, publishing my first two novels with EMU Inc was very special. So it's a lot about you too. Uh,
0: (laughs) uh, Thank you. Well look, you took a leap of faith with us when we were taking a leap of faith into the business in the first stage. So, So yeah, there'll always be a special relationship. But today we're going to talk about, will you tell us first of all a little bit about your family, your career
1: and how I suppose you first got that writing bug? Where did I get my writing bug? I suppose I went to university late, so I was 30 starting university. So it was really there I was studying English and Drama, Bachelor of Education in English and Drama and I just loved the English, the the creative writing part of it. And that was where I got the bug. But then of course you go on after that to have I had already had two children, but I had two more, I had one more child and then life gets busy teaching mm. and uh, I didn't write as much. But eventually I was actually 40 when my mum said to me, you know, stop talking about writing and get out and wow. write. And she my mother ran the knockline Adult education at the time. She's 80 now, so she doesn't. Oh. But at the time, she started off adult education in Knockline, where I lived, and she got me into the creative writing part of it. And the rest was history. I just kept writing from there nonstop. So that's where I started. So, yeah. So, family wise, I am a mother of three and wife, and uh, I'm one of six siblings. So, and so lots of very, very big family. Um, my mom is one of 12. My dad is one of 12. So I have. Wow. I think on my dad's side, 53 first cousins and my father's, my mum's my side, 35 <laughs> or something like your like first cousins. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> big, big family. Lots to write about. Yes, yes. Nobody knows when I'm writing about them. <laughs> ah, no
0: shortage of inspiration. <laughs> no shortage of
1: characters.
0: <laughs> That's brilliant. And so tell us about, so you started writing when you were 40. So you were 10 years into teaching at that stage, is that right? About, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and so where did your love of writing so she encouraged you at 40. Was your love of writing playing out in the classroom anyway? or Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. it's
1: always been there with working with children. Before I um, went to university at 30, I was running a, a day nursery myself. So I was always working with children and always everything was all about the stories, books and getting stories out there, you know, telling stories, writing stories. So yeah, it's always been there with, with the children. But with myself, I hadn't, although I'm an absolutely prolific reader, I never put the books down, but... You know, writing myself didn't start till then. But once it started, um, I was very busy, obviously, with my small children and yeah. working full time as a teacher. But I used to work in the morning. So I, my first two books would be written between six and a half, seven in the morning. And wow. then sort of been between four and five, I would get another little time in. Or if you're sitting at a, you know, a swimming pool waiting yep. for kids to get out or... Sitting at the side of uh, you know, with the basin to come out of drama class, I'd be sitting there scribbling away in notebooks and that. So somehow those two books became a, a thing and ended up on your desk at e- oh, ink. And what great. lovely days those were! Um, so I kick up the bum for Mammy
0: really is where, oh, where absolutely. it all started. Ma- Mammy
1: needs a yeah
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. So yeah. take us back to that time then, I suppose, where you had written you had written your novel. How did it feel? Like, what was what was the process like, first of all, and how did it feel then to write those last words and to, to feel like I can go out with this now?
1: You never really feel you can go out with that. And even any author out there always say the same thing, that they read a book that they wrote 10 years ago, 20 years ago, they still want to change it. They never yeah. feel that yeah. it's complete. They never feel and it is, is, you know, your your publisher has to tell you, like you would have said to me, we're done. It's done. That's the ending. Yeah, let's go with this, you know. So, uh, I I know it is hard to sort of say you always find something else you'd like to change, something else you'd like to do. But uh, once they're out there and published, then you have to yeah. say, that's it, they're done. And what a brilliant,
0: what brilliant books they are! Summer Triangle and Scarred, and now you've got Mosaic. Yes. Um, so that's your recent, My your recent most recent novel, book. Yeah. Tell us about yeah. that.
1: Um, Mosaic is um, partly a continuation of the first two characters from the first two books from Summer Triangle and Scarred come into Mosaic. But they all all three are novels that stand alone, that can be read alone. But I just brought some of the characters through. So uh, Mosaic is set between the south of Spain during the time of Franco and set in Ireland during the same time. So 50s, 60s and onwards. And then part of it um, is set in the present time. So you have um, Shona who comes to Spain, who comes to Spain to, to investigate her grandmother's life, and she finds out things that she can't believe that could possibly happen. And she's left with kind of a dilemma as to whether she should open this can of worms or leave well be. So mm. yeah, but it's it's um so it's contemporary fiction and historical fiction together because of the
2: a lot of it is set during Franco's time. Brilliant. Yeah, they sound lovely. Caroline, I'm looking forward to, to reading them. Can I bring you back to the family thing? Just something yes, I'm really interested about. I mean, every family has stories and how do how do family feel about your writing? Well, I think most of them
1: love the fact that I am writing. And I think, you know, I do come from a very creative family as well. Not a lot of writers, but, um, you know, my girls would be, my, my youngest daughter is an artist and, you know, so yeah. the creative part is out there. You know, they, they don't seem to mind. I think if, you, if you've if you got a lot of um, characteristics from different people and you write them into characters that are of different ages or different sexes, people generally don't recognise themselves. Okay. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and are you careful about that, Caroline? Or, or would you just go for it? No, say? I would be very careful. Yeah, But
1: it's it's interesting, you know, like my first book was written and then, you know, later on, a friend's daughter was would have similar uh, things happen to her and was asking, you know, and I said, no, because at the time this was written, okay. none of your your things had happened. But uh, So people do sometimes say, is that about us or is that about me? But generally it's not. But so many things happen to so many people. If you're a writer, you have to write about something mm-hmm. and it is going to be, it's going to seem to be, to be about somebody at some stage. Yeah. But no, nobody has ever said to me, I'm gonna stick you for <laughs> <writing> my story. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just try to be a little bit original and not write the stories from, from everybody. But take a little bit of everything and everybody. Every all every environment and every character and every situation has got a
2: potential rising. And, of there's so and there's so many stories. Everyone has a story. And there's so many stories in a big family in particular. No,
1: it's, and it's then, interesting. Yeah. And and you know, it is we we have a lot of interesting people in the family. But my husband is half Indian. His mom is from what is now Kolkata. But uh she told me a story about when she was at school at the age of seventeen in Darjeeling in the in the north of India, um in West Bengal, and her friend became pregnant from a friend of the family who was visiting. And she told me this girl, this lady's story about what happened to her. And that's the book I'm writing now. So it is set partly in India and partly in the UK. And it is about this lady and it is a lot about my mother-in-law. But it is a fictional Mm -hmm. story because I don't know enough about their lives. But her story, she did ask me to write this story and uh, she's gone now. um, But she was, you know, that there's a lot in there. There's so much in there that needs to needed to be put out. And I just, you know, what happened to her and the the um parallel between India, the nuns, um, and what happened if you were mm-hmm. pregnant out of marriage at a very young age, what would happen to you when you were a child is very similar to what happened in Ireland um at the time oh. with Magdalene Laundries That's, and that. So yeah. yeah, so I'm writing it with an Indian background. Okay.
2: Yeah. That's really interesting yeah. as well. Mm-hmm.
0: And do you find that is that quite emotional is it is it difficult to write because I know it's not entirely based but there is a it is based somewhat it's, on on something that's
1: it was very I mean the first draft that I wrote down was as, the, as factual as I could get it so it isn't the story that's going to go out there in the end but I wrote as much as I knew of the story of my mother-in-law and her time living in in in, in India and in the UK and her relationship with her friend over the years. So I wrote writing all that down was very emotional. I, yeah. I didn't write it while she was still alive. I started writing it after she died. And yeah, so it's... Uh, Even tougher. Very tough, yeah. yeah. So, uh, And I think eventually when I have it all together and my husband reads it, because I read little snippets out to him now and again. And, you know, we've very recently in February this year went to India for the first time. And we went to uh, the place where she was born, to right. her house, to her school in Darjeeling. And we went to the church where they got married, her, his mum and dad. And so we went to all the different places in India that she'd talked about so much um, right. and found out different things um, about her life. Um, just being in her school and seeing, you know, 75 years later, her name is on a plaque in, in the school, Amazing. you know, wow. you know, just seeing these things. Um, so, yeah, it was very emotional. Um, but I, I just, we, we needed to do that to do that um, trip for both of us but for me for writing the story it was really special really emotional Yeah, Aww. I
2: can imagine mm-hmm.
0: yeah it sounds it sounds like it's going to be a, a really gorgeous book like yes, it
2: say. does yeah.
1: it will be no one knew it will be it will be <laughs> um, so you know that I like to write international like the, this Spanish, the Spanish the last one was set between Spain and Ireland and my first one as you know was yeah. set between the Middle East and, and Ireland so I like to travel around the world with my writing. Yeah. You, know, you have a really talent for descriptive writing as well. Like okay. um
0: so I want to go back then again, like you, Angela, we're gonna shoot back to say after you finished, I know you have had so much going on, uh, Caroline, for the last few years. So the CAP Awards, which we will come back to later again, they started. And they had two years,
1: was it? That's right, 2016 and 2017. Really successful. They were great. Um, fantastic.
0: Uh-huh. And they, they raised money entirely for AWARE. Again, something that we're going to talk uh, plenty about later on. But I just want to talk about you personally. You had a lot going on. You had two novels uh, published. You were working on your third at that point. And then
1: tell us what happened. Well, it's coming up to eight years ago now. But in 2015, in September, I had an accident and, um, at work. And long story short, I ended up not completely disabled, but I had a lot of operations on my spine. I have a lot of titanium rods, plastic and stuff. And so over the last eight years, I've had a lot of operations, various operations to try and bring things together. So for quite a few years after 2015, I stopped writing. I just couldn't really sit down and get that third book together. So it was really only about two years ago that I was able to sit down and say, no, I'm going to get out and, and start writing again and make, I, I won't be a primary school teacher again, which was what my I was previously, but let's, you know, um, make a life there mm-hmm. around, around books, writing books and uh, facilitating creative writing. So I started writing again. But during those years in 2016 and 2017, I wanted to have a project that would be ongoing that I could do, literally sitting on my backside at home, <laughs> um, without much movement. And I started the um, Carousel Aware Prize for independent authors. So Carousel came from my carousel writing retreat that I was running at the time before my accident. And uh, Aware is the name of the charity that I wanted to fundraise for. So bringing books and mental health together, two of my um, things that I like to, you know, to, to work with mostly, um, was the. it was a great project And the Carousel Aware Prize is for independent authors to enter their books into and to bring the cream of Irish independent writing to the the top. So there are six different categories and we have uh, different authors judging the different categories. The um, libraries all over Ireland are involved with it. Each category is sponsored by a book company of various book companies. And then the overall sponsor is ESB company and uh, so but all the money that is made during this so I have a fabulous committee of about eight people who are all booky kind of people who bookie backgrounds who are working for nothing um, and they are working to to get this CAP Awards up and out there so unfortunately at the end of 2016 I went into major operation mode and I wasn't able to continue the CAP Awards from there. And then, of course, COVID hit Mm -hmm. and it didn't happen. (laughs) Just for
0: anybody out there who is not quite sure, what is the definition of an independent author?
1: Well, it's a very good question because a lot of our authors ask the question. Like myself, I used, I I assisted publishing. I'm not techie. There's no way that I could put my book together, get a cover on it, get the, you know, I I couldn't put it up on Amazon and get it printed. So using a company like EMU Inc or this book round I used a uh, JM agency in Kerry. Um, and you know so so anybody if, if you're paid um, to have your if you're being paid by one of the traditional publishers to have your book out there, you're not eligible. But if you are paying a company to help you or you're doing it okay. all by yourself, then you're eligible mm-hmm. to enter the award. And also it's an Irish award, so you need to either be living in Ireland, the last five years or hold an Irish passport but you could be living anywhere in the world so we've had a lot of submissions from the States from the UK from France and Belgium and all over the place of Irish people so um, wow, yeah,
0: you're gonna have to go international now with these awards. Well, uh, yeah, Ireland after uh, this
1: as We'll, well. keep, we'll keep yeah. it. We'll keep it <laughs> Irish for now. Keep it Irish. For keep now. that that cream of the Irish <laughs> writing coming to the top first, and yeah. see see after that.
2: Caroline, yes. can I ask you why is Aware so important? And to tell us maybe for people who don't, we're not aware of what Aware
1: is. Okay, <laughs> Aware is a charity for mental health. Um, for people who suffer from mental health, so they would have lots of workshops for people to basically give them the tools that they need to help them get through their depression, their anxiety, bipolar. They do a lot of work with bipolar people and they, they're just so much they, they, I myself attend a group on a Wednesday evening with them, which is support for family who, family carers, family and friends of people who suffer with their mental health. So they do all these things for for people. So I myself have my children Two of my 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 children have been in St John of God's Hospital and St Pat's Hospital a number of times over the years, with their suffering from mental health. And they're both they're they're doing fantastic at the moment. They're really really good. But I don't think if it was wasn't for groups like Aware, I don't know where we would be as a family. We've been helped so much as a family. Um. So so you know. And it's not just the two girls. So a lot of people in my family would uh, have problems with mental health and groups like AWARE are just, we're indebted to them. So this way is just giving a little bit back to them of all that we have received from them over the years. And that makes it extra special. Extra special. Yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely. At the the last awards, I think um, one of my daughters wasn't long out of hospital at the time and she got up on the awards evening and gave a very short, very poignant speech about her journey through um, her mental health problems, and yeah, she got a standing ovation yeah, at the end I'll of be, her I'll few minutes. She did, and then the younger one, um, she she stood up with the and she sang "You Are Beautiful" in every oh, single way. You know that song, beautiful, beautiful. yeah, and yeah. Uh, you know again, you know, was basically saying to everybody who's suffering from mental health, you know, that in every way you have so much more. You know, to give, and so you are all so beautiful. So yeah, they're very happy for me to talk about their problems outside uh, the family, and to you know, putting pieces in the papers, the Irish Times, and been on the news and RTE, and just various programs and radio programs talking about mental health, and because it's not talked about enough. No, it's absolutely not. It's not. As it's much not. as possible under the carpet. Let's not talk about it. Let's yeah. not put the money in that is needed. I've been part of a, a group for um. A girl who was working on her doctorate, she's a doctor now, but her um, doctorate was on working with adults and parents with their children. The problem with children when children turn 18 and suddenly they are supposed to become an adult and they're not ready for that to go from a children's hospital, say, situation or a children's psychiatrist straight into adult psychology, psychiatry in Ireland is scary for them. And, you know, raising that time for mental health patients from 18 to 23, that there would be something for those in between years, those five years. So she did her whole doctorate based on this. And there was a whole forum from UCD, from UCG, psychiatrists and psychologists and that. So we all worked together with her on fantastic. her research. Her research was really, really impressive, really interesting. So hopefully it will be, it will actually, you know, she got the attention of a lot of ministers and, yeah, yeah. and that through that. So yeah, anything to do with mental health is yeah. a real... It's also so true though, talk. isn't it? That like, you know, very
0: few of us grow up overnight like when we hit 18 and like, you know, not unlike your family, Caroline, we have a history of mental health issues, myself included, in our family too. And even at 42 years of age, I... I still need my family. I need that support, you know, and I think like how you can just expect somebody to be able, like there's the family support, there's the medical support. There's so many like different areas of support that you need. Like, so I think it is really important to focus on that group as well. And you touched on the support in terms of aware there a a while ago as well. I don't think a lot of people would be aware, again, that there is family. There's family support. support. Mm -hmm. Um, And I knew that from within our family as well, but I don't think everybody would know that it's nearly the patient you think about first, getting them in somewhere, getting that necessary help. But what about you? What about Ehrman? You with the tools. Mm -hmm. So I I presume you
1: found that extremely helpful then to know. The group is really, really helpful. And AWARE, their website, which is literally just www.aware.ie, but so full of information, but not overwhelmingly so. Um, But if, you know, looking for the help that you as an individual need, whether it's yourself or your children or your family members or, or friends, there's something for, for everybody. There's so many webinars to listen to, to look at. I think their next one in June is on men's mental health. The one for May this this month was on relationships, you know, suffering from mental health and, you know, how that impacts on relationships. So all these are really important discussions to have and important to listen to. Because, I you know, the one thing about people who suffer with their mental health is the loneliness Mm -hmm. of um, not feeling that, you know, there's anybody else around you and knowing that you have a whole group of people out there who are, you know, suffering in the same way as you, Mm -hmm. but who, like my own daughters now, you know, who are doing so brilliantly well with life with relationships, with their studies, with, you know, work and out there doing their own thing, you know, to to join something like AWARE to use webinars and the meetings and the help that AWARE give, you know, brings you to a place where you never thought you might get to. You know, when you're really suffering from depression, from anxiety, from bipolar, from any mental health illness, you feel, you know, that there's so much despair out there and AWARE just gives you a hope that the future is going to be bigger and better yeah. and wonderful. Not, yeah. not just hope, but, you know, a, a feeling of contentment, you know. And, and as anybody who has suffered from mental health would say, just a feeling of contentment is the pot of gold yeah. at the end of the rainbow. I
0: was going to say your third daughter, your middle daughter, May. <sighs> she has her own story as well. And I know you're very, very proud of her. Did you find those skills helped you? Well, can you tell us a little bit about her oh, story? Oh, absolutely,
1: yes. Um, Maeve is uh, my eldest daughter, actually. Oh, eldest. eldest. Oh, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> it, yeah she, she's the eldest. Um, a few years ago, Maeve, so she went to Turner College Boys School. She, uh, you know, it was kind of different than the rest of the boys and, uh, you know, wonderful person, absolutely amazing person. So when she came to me a few years back and said that she was transitioning to be a woman, absolutely wasn't surprised that my 80-year-old mother said something like that's no surprise. We saw that coming, you know. Um, But the journey of transitioning, it's not obviously as hard as it would have been 10 years, 20 years, 30 years ago. still very, very tough. And uh, so she's had a few years where she's had to, having said that, her journey to transition to be Maeve has been um, wonderful for her because she's I think she finds life much easier, okay. much um she's more content. There's that word <laughs> yeah, again, you know, yeah. that you know, she's just happy in her own skin and we all feel it around her that she is a happier person. She's easier on herself. Life is just so much easier being Maeve because she never really was anybody else. And you know, a lot of people say, you know, is it difficult having son who is now a daughter and I say no because your child is still there she's 32 this year but like so she's not a child but she's always going to be my child yeah Yeah, absolutely so that 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 person is still there that there's nothing nothing changed in the person herself it's just uh you know but she has to make huge amounts of changes and it is it's a it's a long hard journey I won't go into all the ins and outs but it, it is it is tough she's I think um in some ways lucky she has a family who absolutely, you yeah. know, idolise her and uh, really want her to be herself. herself. Um she's got a partner, Warda, who's a beautiful Pakistani lady. They're engaged to be married now. And um yeah. I think herself and Warda are just you know, I had an uncle who used to always say there's an old sock for every old shoe <laughs> and they <laughs> are the sock for their shoe. They just fit together so well. They really they, lovely, they they yeah. really are brilliant for each other. I think relationships are sort of the if you have somebody, it, it just makes life a lot easier. Mm. Yeah, so that was that was her journey, you know. So and I she's that she's doing brilliantly, isn't really,
0: there? A, it is really inspiring,
2: isn't it? And isn't there a, a really interesting theme running through all of this about? Well, for me, I can hear two very big things: vulnerability mm-hmm. and openness. Yes, running yes. right through this, and mm-hmm. that must be a massive place where your writing goes as well.
1: I think I know, like. A vulnerability. So I'm a particularly vulnerable person. Tough word that. Thanks, Angela. <laughs> a vulnerable person. But I would be a very sensitive person. Mm. Um, and I think my children are quite sensitive as well. And, uh, you know, it is sometimes hard to be very sensitive. But at the same time, I think it does give you a huge, it, it puts the pen in your hand and the paper in front of you because that's, you're writing, you're sensitive to the environment around you, you're sensitive to the people around you, to their senses. Yeah. You know, you've got a lot of, you're, you're taking a lot of thing in things in. You're very, like I would consider myself to be quite observant of people and I listen a lot. So yeah, so it does, it helps. it's, yeah. it's It can be tough being overly sensitive but it, it, it does help a lot as it well and,
2: and vulnerable when I used the word vulnerable mm. I meant that mm-hmm. sort of sensitivity yes. or mm-hmm. that softness yes. to the world yeah. and uh-huh. and that yeah. can that uh-huh. must be a yes. huge part of, of the fact that you're taking a pen in your hand absolutely. and writing absolutely
1: and I, I think for for you know going back to the mental health thing there you know people who suffer with their mental health are very sensitive mm-hmm. people they are vulnerable people but they have to be I feel that they are stronger than everybody else because they are putting, you know, with any disability, you're going to have to put 150% into your job, into your studies, into your relationships, into everything. Um, So you have to be stronger than everybody else. So that sensitivity actually is a huge strength. And I know with my family that it's the strength that uh,
2: shines out from them, not so much the vulnerability. And that's where a lot of what you're doing is you're allowing people to be, to say that, you know, like like both of you, there's mental health issues in all families, in our own family as well. And you're, by drawing awareness to it, you're allowing people Mm -hmm. to be sensitive, to be vulnerable and to find that strength. Yes. Yeah. Stop
1: throwing this under, brushing it under Mm -hmm. the carpet and get people talking about mental health. And mental health, you know, it comes under this one big umbrella of mental health. There are so many different illnesses within mental health. um, And uh, we couldn't cover them all right now, but they're, you know, so the individuality of looking after each person as an individual. And, you know, that's again, coming back to aware, they're they're just so And that it may
2: not be a permanent condition either. You know, we've all had Mental mm. health journeys. Absolutely. So nope. you'll have periods of your life when your mental health will be very strong and you'll have periods of time when it won't be. Yeah. So th- there's that, you know, with um, for myself, I would have
1: suffered with my mental health after all the operations. So I would call that for me, I would call that situational depression Um, that I would have been very down for, for quite some time over that. Whereas with other people who suffer from their mental health would be more a chemical Depression, you know, so it's something that is long-term, is innate within them, perhaps needs, um, I would have had a lot of counselling, still do, but, you know, but to have medication, various medications that help to balance yeah. the the problems, you know, not everybody needs them, but some people do and some people don't, again, go down to this individuality. But uh, yeah, so situational depression is what we all suffer from in various situations.
2: Would you mind telling us a bit more about? I'm sorry, I'm jumping now. Uh, here, Jump away. <laughs> about because it sounded fascinating the work that you do with the knotline, um, the the group in knotline. Well, it's very different group. So
1: ongoing is uh, workshops that I run with for the adult education mm. um, from term to term, and I do that with uh, another retired teacher called Catherine Crowley, who works with EMU Wink yeah. as well. <laughs> um, so the two of us run run that together. I was running it by myself and then Catherine was stepping in the odd time when I wasn't uh, physically able to do it. And uh, then eventually we just split it down the middle and we'd, we'd do both together. So other work that I do in the areas with the children, so the odd workshop in the schools in the and in the secondary schools. Um, and also, uh, like so today I was working with six-year-olds in senior infants um, <laughs> in St Colin Kill School and then tomorrow morning for... Um, Altana Festival, I'm working with 60 to 80 year olds. So that's we're doing a writing workshop with them. Um, so, yeah, so I'm really looking forward to that. That'll, that's different. I worked. So, last year, well, not last year, two years ago, I started running workshops for the Knockline Women's Group. So, they're sort of older people as well, again. And together they wrote their stories. They were writing stories about COVID, their experiences through COVID. And that ended up being, an. we put together an anthology um, about their COVID experiences through prose and poetry. And that was very special. It so would be very special. Yeah, yeah, really enjoyed that work. So all sorts of different ages and people. And so I also run um, workshops on writing for well-being, no surprise there, yeah. <laughs> with people who are suffering from their mental health or from long-term illness. So I... Run writers' workshops for that too.
0: Fantastic. You have a yeah, very, very fabulous. You're back. You're back when <laughs> I'm a bang, coming back. Caralan. I'm coming back. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, look, it's been absolutely lovely to speak to you. But Wonderful unfortunately, to speak to you. thank you. Unfortunately, it's come to the end of this episode of the EMU Inc podcast. So I'd like to thank Carol for being here. Um, and thanks also, obviously, to Angela. Um, I think you'll agree that it was a lovely, enlightening, informative a- conversation. <laughs> you're, you're the personification of strength. Yes, It's uh, really lovely to hear that you're, the rest of your family have followed in your footsteps, carol Thanks too to the Dublin Podcast Studio here in Dundrum for their expertise and thank you at home. We hope you enjoyed it. If you want to find out more about what we are up to at Emu Inc, follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at Emu Publishing. Rate, review and subscribe to our podcast and log on to emuink.ie for more information. Thanks again and see you next time.